Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Step Speaker Step Series. Now I would like to have Tom Thomas come up and do our joke, please. Hello, Tom, alcoholic. All righty. There was an old wino. He was sitting in a detox at a table, and he was uh, waiting for a meeting. He was holding a half uh, cup of coffee, and then in comes a kid. He, was, he might have been around 18, and his eyes opened wide, and his hair was standing straight up, and it was dyed many different colors. There, it was red, orange, green, blue, etc., etc. Uh, he was definitely on some good dope or something like that. Uh, he, he looked at the wino, and the wino looked at him. He quickly turned away and felt the cold eyes of the wino staring holes through the back of his head. It was driving him nuts. He glanced back and saw the wino still staring. Again, he turned away. Finally, he, could take, uh, he, couldn't, he could not take it anymore. And he jumped up and screamed at the old wino. Dang it, old man. Haven't you ever gotten wasted and done something weird? Sure, the wino quietly proclaimed. I got drunk and I made love with a parrot. Thought maybe you were my son. <laughs> I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Andrew. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. 
So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise that might well distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. start out with the fog light prayer. It's up there, so please read along with me. God, God let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Cole to come up and read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. Uh, Good evening. My name is Cole. I'm a recovered alcoholic. This is Spiritual Appendix, Spiritual Experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a, sudden and, um, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, 
Many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Upon our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. <clears throat> what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exception, exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the es essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you, Cole. Uh, please refrain from dis disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so please set your phones to airplane slash meeting mode or just turn it off. Now, is this, this is your final session? Is that right? Yeah. So now it is my pleasure to introduce Pat um, on his final session. You know, it's interesting. We talked up here for like even just a second, and I was just thinking about this holiday season and like how when I first came in here, it was incredibly trying to think about like making it through Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, like the Bermuda Triangle without drinking, you know? But like as a recovered alcoholic, now the experiences that I go through because I'm working the steps, like they're so much more beautiful. And so I, I know that like whatever he's going through right now with these ex with these experiences that he's going through as he goes through these holidays, they're gonna extrapolate out into our lives. So please help me welcome Pat. A recovered alcoholic. My name is Pat. And thanks to the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous outlined in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the program of AA. Uh, I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and for that I'll be forever grateful. A has surely given me a new way of life, and, uh, and it has its moments, <laughs> but for the most part, I, it's an amazing life that I get to live. And, you know, briefly, that's what we, Andrew and I talked about briefly, is that, you know, that in the midst of the blessings, there's always these moments that define me spiritually, <laughs> you know, uh, whether it be financial or relational or, or, uh, or social, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's still challenges. It's just that, uh, you know, I've been given a gift where I have another option. I don't, I don't have to go to the drink or the drug. I get to go to the, to the source, 
you know, and, uh, and I got to constantly remember that, that uh, usually when I'm upset, it's about the resources that the source gave me. You know what I mean? Like I get these resources from this source that I've tapped into. And then as uh, maybe I get challenged in those resources, maybe I lose some of those resources or, uh, or maybe I just start worshiping those resources and, uh, and I forget about the source and I get caught up in, in that kind of stuff. And, and I, I got to share something with you. Uh, because a lot of you guys have heard my story over and over again and, and heard me do these series. And, uh, and I'm blessed, by the way. Thank you so much. I don't want to forget to thank you guys for, for having me here. It's, this is just such a blessing to be able to come here uh, and do this with you guys. I love the guys. The core of this group is freaking awesome. I mean, I, Mike, God bless you. I, you know, I wish you the best. Godspeed, my friend. And, and uh, you know, and all the guys that I get to meet here, Chris, Andrew, you know, all the uh, members of this group, it's just, it's just, I love coming here. I love coming to see you guys. This is one of those pockets of recovery that I brag about in Broward County, you know, and we're so blessed in Broward and Palm Beach County, and, and I don't do much in Dade, but we've got these pockets of recovery, these big book thumpers, you know, that are, that are into the real program. You know, it's not just fellowship part of it, as part of it, but it's, it's not just that. It's about the program. And, but anyways, I shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago uh, the challenge I had where I misplaced like what I thought was a significant amount of money, you know? And to me, it was a significant amount of money. You know, I look at, when I lose money, I look at how many hours it took for me to make that physically. You know, that's how I equate uh, money. And like, that was a day's work, you know? Or that was two days work, you know? And, uh, and I don't like just sit at home and make it on the computer or something. I actually have to do stuff physical to get it, you know? And some of you guys in the service industry understand that, you know? So physically, I work hard. Uh, but anyways... Uh, I shared with you that I had lost a chunk of money. I, actually, I didn't lose. I misplaced a chunk of money. And, and I was freaking caught up in it. You know what I mean? I was caught up. Like, I lost some resource. And I was just obsessed with finding it. And, and actually, to the point where I, in my mind, I accused somebody of taking it. You know? And because uh, that's who I am. And, you know, I knew that he didn't have any money, and now he has money, and it must be the money that I had, and he must have stole it. You know, that was just where my crazy bastard mind goes, you know. And so anyway, you know, after I went crazy looking for this money, uh, I surrendered and went to the Everglades, and I was sitting there watching the fish. I think I shared this with you guys, watching the fish and the gators and all that out in the Everglades, and just meditating, seeing the sunset. And... Uh, and it's a nine-step story. And, and God enters my heart and says, Pat, do you remember when you stole that guy's money 40 years ago? Mm-hmm. Right? So me and this AC guy come out of this air conditioning supply house, and some, one of the employees there had just cashed their check and dropped about $400 on the ground, and we stole it. Right? This is, I think, I don't know what I was, 24 years old or something. You know? And that was just who I was. That's just who I was. You know, you lost it, your loss, my gain. That's just the way the world works, you know. But I had never, uh, that was never on a ninth-step list. That was never something that I thought about making amends for. That's just the way I lived, you know. And, and what God was telling me is, now you know how he felt. Now you know how he felt when he left there and he came back looking for his money and it wasn't there on the ground. And he probably went crazy for a couple of days like I did looking for it, right? And, and, I, and I surrendered. Yeah, I know how he felt. No, you know, I own amends. And so, you know, not, not to, I put a number on it. I, I put a $400 number on it. I don't know if that's what the amount was or not. I think it was. That was the amount that I had thought I had lost, you know. And, 
So the homeless guys in Briar Boulevard have been getting money from me since traveling in this direction in the last few days. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay it forward. I'm gonna you know, get right with the universe with it and, and look at it as amends. So, so I'm, on the phone, I'm, I'm on my way to, with my sponsor last night. My sponsor's down from North Carolina. And I'm on my way to the 101 Club. I'm doing a big book study over there on Wednesday nights. And, uh, and I get a call from a friend that I ran with back in the 70s. I'm in my teens when I ran with this guy, right? And uh, his name is Dave. And, and Dave has been following me on Facebook, right? And, uh, and he sees you know, some of the stuff that I post. And usually it's, it's some kind of non-denominational, spiritual, whatever, mumbo jumbo. And, and, uh, and Dave has been transformed, has been reborn in another fellowship, right? And he wants to share that with me, you know? And, and while we're talking, uh, we start reminiscing about the tragically funny stories, you know, that we, that we go through the other times where we robbed the gas station because we lost our money and we stole it, you know, we got arrested, you know, those kind of tragically funny stories that, you know, that we really laugh about, and just one after another. And, whichever. and so I say to him, some of you guys have heard in my ninth step that there was a police officer that I destroyed his car. Me and two other people destroyed his car because he wouldn't, he wouldn't let us entrepreneurs do what we wanted to do on the street corner, right? And, uh, and I had never been able to make an amends for that, right? And so I'm recalling this story, and I said, do you remember Nick M.? He goes, yeah, the cop? And I said, yeah, Nick, you remember when we destroyed his car? And he goes, you know, that was my uncle. I said, get the hell out. Nick M. was your uncle? He said, yeah. I said, oh, my God. He said, I've been wanting to see Nick and, and make amends for that tragically awful night that I inflicted his family with and, and, uh, and actually uh, more than him make amends to his wife uh, because I had shared with you that what Nick actually asked us put the word on the street that if we turned ourselves in, he wasn't going to charge us. His whole goal was to get through to us how he changed the lot, how we changed the life of his family. And I didn't even hear that until I was in recovery. I didn't even hear what he was trying to tell me. What he was trying to tell me is the fear that I instilled in his wife by destroying her car, you know, that she and her children were afraid to come out of the house after that day, you know. And, and I didn't even get that until I was working on my ninth step list in this, in this program 40 some, 50 years later, you know, actually 50 years later, you know. And, uh, and so I said, you've got to be kidding me. And he says, yeah, he's dead. And I said, oh, that's a shame. I said, you know, I destroyed his car and I really wanted to make uh, not just financial amends to him, but tell him how awful that behavior was and, and how disgusting I feel about that behavior. And he says, well, you know, his, his wife is still alive. And I said, I got to meet her. And, and he lives in uh, South Carolina. And uh, it looks like we're going to probably North Georgia soon. Uh, and, and I'm going to hook up with him and see if I can't get with his. But isn't that wild how God works? It's like it's, it's God's economy, right? It's in God's time, you know. I've just been willing to, to make this amends. And that's what it says in the eighth step, right? To be, you know, willing to make amends to all of them, you know? And, and I've been willing and I've, and, and I've put it out to the universe and I've tried to make financial amends indirectly through some uh, homeless funds and stuff in his name. But 
And then, then he goes to tell me that Nick was probably one of us, you know, that he had wrecked more police cars than, than you've ever crashed, you know. But that's, it just, it's just crazy how this, you know, the, this long road of reconstruction ahead that we have, you know, that, that God will eventually put in front of us uh, if we're willing and if we continue to walk the path, the opportunity to make right these wrongs that we thought we could never repair. And, and, and look, I don't know if I could ever repair that damage, but I sure as hell would like to make an effort. I'm sure that, you know, she's probably in her 80s now, uh, and that she probably tells that story uh, as if it changed her life. You know, that that night changed her life in a bad way. And, and I was that negative influence. And thanks to this program, I am not that guy. You know, that guy, that guy disgusts me. That, that disgusts me to look back at my behavior uh, at that time with no conscience, just no conscience, running through this world just a taker. You know, every opportunity I could. It's all about me, what's in it for me, how much is mine. More, 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 more. You know, and if you got in my way, I would do anything. I would do anything to get you out of my path. You know, and, and it just, as a result of these steps, as a result of living this program, uh, reborn is a great word. You know, I mean, that's what we're, we're here. We're, we're talking about step 12 tonight. You know, as a result of these steps, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, my life has been totally transformed. It's a dark to light moment and some of it was gradual some of it was was white light in a sense you know i mean some of it was incredible uh i mean I, my life started to transform the first night that i came into this into these rooms into this fellowship i don't even say into this program anymore because i thought i was in a program and i was visiting in a fellowship i thought the fellowship was the program and if you're new here welcome to the fellowship this is the program this book welcome to the fellowship you know, but I didn't know that. I, you know, I didn't know that much about recovery. I thought I was working a program by not drinking and going to meetings because that's what I was told. You know, but I want to tell you something. My life started to transform as soon as I heard your stories. As soon as I heard your stories. As soon as I listened, I sat in these speaker meetings and I heard you guys share. You know, and and the, the experience, spiritual experience, slash what we read, personality change started to take place as soon as I heard your stories because I was saying, oh my God, I did that. Oh, you too? You know, yeah, I felt like that. Yeah, that happened to me. And there was this bond that was created immediately. Like, I felt like I belonged. You know, I wasn't sure I wanted to be here, by the way, still. You know, I mean, I would have rather been somewhere else. But something had me keep coming back. Something just had me, like, connect with you guys. And something had me sit at Denny's with you every freaking night. You know, all hours of the night. And tell our stories, and tell stories, swap stories back and forth. And there was just this connection that kept me coming. Like, I don't want to be here, but I need to be here. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have anywhere else to go, first off. You know, I didn't know where else I was going to. I was living in the back room of my mother's house at the time with a restraining order and assault and battery charges, you know. And, and it, but, I, but I felt like I belonged, you know. And I tell you, my, my, the transformation really took place as a result of taking action, making the decision and taking action and putting pen to paper. You know, I love, I love in, the, in the fourth step of this program where it talks about uh, you know, looking at life from a different angle. You know, looking at life from a different angle. We look at it differently now. 
You know, even the people that hurt us, even people who have legitimate, that we have legitimate beefs with, you know, even the people that harmed us, we look at them differently. We're looking at them from a different angle now. We might even wonder, what makes them like that? What took place in their life that makes them so mean? You know, what makes, what maybe took place in their life that made them do that to me, right? I mean, it's obvious the, the stuff on my fourth step that people were reacting to me with. You know, I get that. You know, I mean, it, I, I wrote three names down on my fourth step, and I went, oh, my God, this is all my fault. <laughs> I mean, that was just like a no-brainer. You know, they're just reacting to me. Police arrested me? Yeah, I assaulted somebody. That's how that happens, you know. The IRS attached your bank account? Yeah, if you don't pay them, that's what they do. They want their money, you know. You know, my wife had me arrested? Yes, I assaulted her, you know. She, you know, she took the house. She needed a place to live with the two kids, you know. I got it. I mean, got that. But the hard part was not playing the victim role still, you know, not being this victim when I got here, that it's their fault. If you had my wife, if you had my life, if you had my job, you know, if you're under the kind of pressure I'm under, you, know, you would react the same way as I'm reacting. You know? But what really became apparent that I'm a taker, you know, I'm a freaking taker. You know? What's in it for me, you know? The, 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 the perversion of these instinctual drives, the perversion of these instincts, these God-given instincts that I can't get enough of, and I'm just constantly trying to satisfy them through the world, you know. More attention, right? More money, a better car, you know, a different girl, you know, a better girl, you know. Just more, 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 more. I'm a taker in life. You know, I share with you guys that, that I had almost like kind of a white light, kind of a, I mean, a, a, an immediate transformation after my fifth step, you know, that, that God entered my heart that day, you know. I became a believer in God that day, you know. I couldn't define it, but I became a believer. I came to believe that there was a power greater than myself that would restore me to sanity, you know, that could restore me, to, if I did the work, could restore me to sanity. I felt like that I had gone from dark to light, that I had come out of the darkness into the light that day, you know. Like that was behind me and now I have a fresh start. You know? And, and I can't even explain it. I, it's, it's hard to describe. I think anybody that's here that's had this awakening, that's had this, this spiritual experience, this spiritual awakening, this personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism, they can't explain it. They know it's real. They know God is. But I can't show it to you, and I can't explain it to you. I just know that it's as a result of me doing what this book outlined. Precisely, specifically, exactly, following some clear-cut directions. I got what this book promised. God entered my heart. And, and, today, and to this day, lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. It does for me what I can't do for myself. And what I couldn't do for myself back then was not drinking. It's so much more than that now. You know, it's not about not drinking anymore. It's about not killing myself. You know, it's about not killing somebody else. You know, it's about it's about surviving with me, without a drink or a drug, without some substance in my life, without a without a sex spree, you know, without a spending spree. It's about staying in the light now, staying out of conflict. You know, I I can't do conflict. I don't do conflict well. You know, and it's about, for me, being content in all things. Paul talks about that, right? 
I, don't, I think I had that thing. I, I love Paul, by the way. If you've heard me do these series, you know that Paul's my favorite guy. You know, in all of history, Paul was freaking a terrorist. You know, Paul was a murderer. You know, Paul was the was the worst. Kind, Paul was worse than me, and God loved him. You know, God saved his ass. Right? I always say, knocked him off his horse on his ass. Right? Blinds him, puts him in prison. And then has them write most of the New Testament. How crazy is that, right? Uses the broken for his good, as he does here, as he does here. It takes the broken to fix the broken. But Paul, Paul said that, that he'd learn to be content in whatever the circumstances are. Know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every and every situation, all situations, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. It's not about the resources. You know? And I have to constantly be reminding myself of that. I always think back, uh, there's so many writings that Bill writes about his relationship with Father Ed Dowling, and Father Ed Dowling was probably, Bill called him his spiritual advisor, but he was probably Bill's sponsor. Uh, for the most part, uh, Ebby was bouncing in and out at times, and I mean, Bill always called Ebby his sponsor by name, but but Ed Dowling and him had this uh, relationship, and 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 I and I find solace when I read some of Bill's letters and some of his talks with Ed because because Bill was one of Bill was like me. I'm like Bill, you know that that he suffered from depression. He suffered from anxiety. He suffered from fear his whole, his whole life. You know? And how he overcome it, as Bob did, was through work, work and self-sacrifice to others, right? You know, self-sacrifice to others. You know? Lived a life of self-sacrifice and helpfulness to others. Ebby's warning to Bill. You know? But he says, and, and look, that's what I do. I mean, I'm, I'm involved. I'm in the middle. If I'm not in the middle, I'm out. I can't be on the edge. I'm, not, I'm just not one of those guys that can do a meeting here and there a week or so. I'm just not that guy. If you can do it, God bless you. I mean, I, and that doesn't make you, whether you're a real alcoholic or not, it doesn't make you any worse or better than me. That's just who I am. You know, I used to think that I was doing something wrong because I still suffer from terrible anxiety on my way here when I have to speak. I hate it. I, I ask myself every time I'm on my way here, why do I do this? You know, why do I put myself through this shit, you know? I could be sitting home watching some stupid-ass TV show, you know? And it's because I've got to answer the call, because I've been, I've been freely given something that I've got to share, you know? And, and I get it. So I walk through it. I ask God to just walk me through it, as I do a lot of things in my day. You know? There was a job today I did not want to do. It was a challenge. It was just, I don't, I've never done it, but I don't want to do it. Somebody already walked away from it. Why me? Why not me? Why not me? God, walk me through this. You know? and, I, and, it, and I accomplish something, and I walk away from it with a feeling of accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right? And that same thing happens here tonight. I'll leave here tonight. You know, I may not feel good about the talk, but I'll feel good about walking through the fear. You know? I mean, there's some nights I leave here and go, boy, that sucked. Yeah. Well, it's true. You know, some nights they do suck. Yeah. We were talking, Daniel and I were talking about that last week, right? Sometimes you feel like you're just guided by the Spirit, and other nights you feel like you can't get a word out. You know, it's just, 
you know, it feels terrible up here. And somebody always says, that was great. I go, no, that sucked. You know, that was, <laughs> I couldn't even remember my name. Anyway, I saw about Ed Donnelly. And Bill asked Ed, will this ever stop? Will it ever end? You know, will I ever just be okay? And Ed said, no. <laughs> no, it's not. You're always going to need more. You're always going to need more. He, called, he labeled it divine dissatisfaction. Divine dissatisfaction. You will always need more. You suffer from more. We can't stand still. I can't stand still. I need to be growing spiritually constantly. And no matter where I'm at, I need more. It's just the nature of my illness. I, I have a severe case. I have a severe case. Mm -hmm. I'm one bad decision away, away from blowing my life up. You know? There's mornings that I'm on my way to work and say, I'm quitting this shit. I've been with them 30 years. You know what I mean? I'm done. I'm, this is bullshit. You know, I'm out of here. You know? and, and then sanity returns partway there. right? God, just get me through this. Just get me there. I'm just, just get me to the office. You know? my, my relationship's like that sometimes. I mean, hurt my feelings? F you. You know? Let's split this shit up now, you know? And then I'm just crazy, right? <laughs> more, 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 more. I need to find a way to be content in all things. With or without the money. You know, with or without the job. With or without the relationship. And, and all the challenges that, 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 I've been, that I've faced with here... Uh, I've learned that are all opportunities to grow. Look at that. I mean, I lost $400, and I grew from it. And by the way, I found it. Did I tell you I found it? Did I tell you I found it? After God put me on my knees in the Everglades asking for help and revealed to me that I stole some money from somebody, how's it feel? I go home, and I go to put my watch up on my dresser, and the money's up on my dresser, right? I had never put money up on that dresser, ever. I've been living in that house for 40 years. I never put my money up there. It's either on the dresser in front of the bed or on by the sink in the, in the kitchen. One or the other. Never up there. So you learn from it. Every opportunity, every, every so-called what I perceive to be a tragedy in this program has been an opportunity to grow and learn. Father Bob Hanlon, who used to do step series, I don't even know where he's at now. He used to be the chaplain at Imperial Point Hospital. We used to have to do a step series every year for us uh, at the bottom line uh, years ago, uh, back in the 90s. And Father Bob used to say that, that, that an a, uh, active alcoholic addict can find the negative in the most positive situation, right? They can have the best relationship and find the flaw in it, right? They can have the best job and find the flaw in it. You know? They can be given a car. I could be given an elder, a new Cadillac and find the downside in it, you know, it doesn't, it, the gas mileage sucks, you know, but he said a recovered alcoholic will find the positive in the most negative situation, and isn't that part of the transformation that takes place here, you know, that we can find the positive in the negative, we can find growth in the negative, I can find actual growth in the tragedy, I can, I could get a divorce in recovery 15 years sober and say what's next? What do you got in store for me now? And what am I going to learn from this? You know, 
just incredible gift that we've been given here. The 12 and 12 talks about having had this spiritual experience. They refer to it as to be able to, to, to do, feel, and believe things that we were unable to do, feel, and believe before. I mean, obviously, the, 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 the reason that I came in here was to not drink or drug. And that seems to be the easiest thing that this program has taken away from me. Look, that's the point. Don't get me wrong. That is the point. I mean, we're judged by not drinking and drugging in this program. I mean, that's, that's, that's what defines the winners and losers here. But the real test is out there. The real test is how am I behaving the other 23 freaking hours when I'm not here? What's going on out What's going on in my family life? What's going on when I'm in the dark? Because God knows me in the dark. You guys know me by reputation. God knows me in the dark. That's the only person that really knows me. How am I behaving in the dark? How am I behaving with my coworkers? Am I, am I living these principles in my life? You know, I'm able to do some stuff. I'm able to, I'm, it's amazing. I, I feel love. I feel, I feel compassion. I feel tolerance. I feel empathy. Stuff that, I, that it was foreign to me before I got here. The first 36 years of my life, I knew nothing about any of that stuff. I knew, any, I knew nothing about letting it go. Let it go. They're sick. Let it go. Look at it from a different angle. Let it go. Wonder what you can do to help, Pat. Maybe you ought to think about what you can do to help. Anything you can do to help? Boy, that's a different angle. Anything you can bring to the table? That's a spiritual experience. My favorite definition, I've said it over and over again here with Carl Jung, ideas, emotions, and attitudes. What I used to think, feel, and do are completely replaced by a whole new set of conceptions. My thinking is nothing like it was before I got here. My emotions capture it. Capture that thought. Capture the thought. Another Paul Capture the thought. Bring it into obedience. And change my actions. Change my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions. Whole new set of conceptions. I look at life totally different today than I did when I got here. That's, a, that's incredible. And that keeps evolving. Thank God. It just keeps evolving. I want to be free. I want to be free of torment. I want to be free of conflict. And when I'm free of torment and conflict, I feel, I feel like I'm just part of God. I'm, I just feel like God working through me. But it's hard to do because I'm still somewhat attached to some of the material and the social and the relational rewards of this world. You know, it's just how, how attached am I? What am I willing to give up for that? You know? I think I shared with you guys when we were talking about 6 and 7 that, that Father uh, Quinn, Father Kelly, uh, who uh, does the sermons at my church, I, I just see God working through him. This guy channels the spirit. This guy's in tears when he's at the altar. This guy does a homily. His eyes roll back into his head. He looks up, and boom, he goes, and, and just like God is speaking through him. And I go, I want that. I looked at my wife and said, I want that. No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm not willing to give up the material and the relational for that. I wish I was. I'm just not. I'm just not that healthy. You know, I still worship the money to a point. I still like my house. I like the truck. 
I still like sex. Am I really willing to give up what he's given up to have a relationship he has with his higher power? Because you could see that he has, he has no connection to the world. He doesn't need this. He has everything he needs. I mean, you can just see it. You can just feel it. Am I willing, what am I willing to give up to get that? Apparently not enough. Apparently not enough. But I tell you what, as, as time goes on, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So I, you know, I'm able to believe in it. And I, I actually have belief in the proof of God. Not just, not just a, a blind faith anymore. I mean, I have proof of God in my life. This book promises that. This book promises that you will have proof. Results is proof. When I'm, when I'm in the light, there's proof of the presence of God. I think I heard it. It's, it's, like, it's like a child in their bedroom, not able to see their mother in the other room, but knows their mother's there. Do you know what I mean? It's like that kind of feeling, you know. Like, I can't see it, but I know it's present. I know God is present. As opposed to the the child that's in the bedroom alone knowing nobody's in the house and scared to death. That's the kind of faith that I have today. And that's the message we carry, right? I think it was uh, Dion used to always say that when him and Ben used to do the steps, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we carry this message. And then he would say, what message? And then he'd say, having had a spiritual awakening, there's all these steps, we carry this message. And then he'd say, what message? Well, that's the message. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of this course of action, we carry that message. The tremendous fact that you read at the beginning of the meeting. That we have a way out, we have a common solution. That's the great news. That's the news we have. By the way, that's the only solution we got here. If you're new, bad news, good news. Good news is you don't have to believe in anything. Right? There is no belief requirement in recovery. That's the good news. You can be an atheist here. You can believe in the proof of the non-existence of God and be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Bad news, this is all about finding God. <laughs> that's, that's just the way it is. That's, you know, we're for people who have no other way out. You know, if we had another way out, we wouldn't be here, right? I mean, if I had another fellowship I could belong to, I wouldn't be here. My mother doesn't brag about me being a member of AA or CA. You know, she can't. I mean, she would love to be able to brag that I'm like a Eucharistic minister at St. Elizabeth's or, you know, I'm in charge of RCIA and St. Elizabeth. She'd love to be able to say that. She don't tell her friends that I spoke at the Cocaine Anonymous International Convention. They grab their purses when she says shit like that, you know? She don't brag about me being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. She loves the fact that I'm a member. But she would much rather me be so I would look, if I could have done this at church, I would have. If, 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 if what's it say in our book a couple times, right? If a better philosophy on life and a better code of morals were sufficient, most of us wouldn't be here. I would still be here, but most of us wouldn't. I didn't have a code of morals before I got here. I had no philosophy on life. Take what you can. Get them before they get you. Learned behavior. Selfish, inherently selfish. Inherently a taker. And I think we're all born that way, don't you? Anybody have, you have kids? Anybody have kids? 
Aren't they inherently selfish? Right? Inherent. You didn't teach them that. They want what the other kid got. Right? They could have three of them, and they have one, they want that one. Right? It's just inherent. You know, it's like survival. I, I need more. I need more. That was just the way I lived my life, my whole life. At some point, you're supposed to learn to share. <laughs> you know, at some point in your life, you're supposed to not be a taker. I didn't know any other way to live. You know? that's, but that's the message we have here. That's the only message we have here. I could live a pretty good life if I could practice these principles in all my affairs. You know? That becomes the trick, right? Is what am I doing out there? Am I practicing these principles in my, in my family life? Am I practicing these principles with my children, my grandchildren, with my wife? Am I practicing these principles at work, with my coworkers, with my boss, with my customers? Am I representing a fellowship that proclaims that God is our solution? Good question. Not always. <laughs> Not always. If I could do that, right? If I could do that at work, and if I could do that at home, I don't get too much trouble at night anymore. You know, I could be reasonably happy, and so could the people around me. Be reasonably happy if I could practice those principles. That's a tall order. That's a tall order, especially in a world as chaotic as we're living in right now. You know, and the traffic and just everything that seems to be an obstacle in my life, right? I, I try to, Pete and I were laughing Monday night, we were talking about, I, I went to Tallahassee for Christmas uh, to be with my wife's family, uh, her daughter and husband and her four grandchildren, and uh, traffic was unbearable. I mean, traffic was crazy. It took us eight hours to get there. It's a six and a half hour ride normally. It took us eight hours to get there, nine to get back, right? And I was fine. I was like spiritually fit. You know, I mean, I was like, okay with it. This is like, what do we want? What do you want to listen to? Do we want to listen to a speaker or do we want to listen to some music? What do we want to listen to? You know, I remember calling my sponsor. This is a couple years ago. Calling my sponsor in the morning, like seven o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting in traffic on 95. I got a day's work ahead of me. I said, I can't deal with this traffic anymore. You know what he said? You are the traffic. You're the traffic, Pat. And I went, oh shit, I am the traffic. I'm part of the traffic. You know? Chill out. Read something. Call somebody. Get out of yourself. Get out of yourself. But that's tough, right? I put a... Uh, I have an AA sticker on the back of my truck. I have one on my motorcycle. I wear an AA symbol around my neck. And not because I'm bragging that I'm in AA. The cool thing is when somebody knows what that is, that's just a great moment, isn't it? Like when you walk into somebody's house and you don't know them, but you see a big book, right? There's a connection that's made right there. Or you see the medallion, or you see on their car the logo. You know, and it's just, I, just, I love those moments. I live for those moments, you know. But I better represent that shit if it's on the back of my truck, right? Like I can't be telling people they're number one, you know, in traffic if I got this, I got to represent this logo, it, I'll tell you something. It stops me many times knowing it's on the back of the truck. I got it on my work van, too. You know, it just kept, One of my favorite stories is early in recovery, uh, Brian H. was my sponsor. And Brian told, was telling me this story. He says, I'm going through the Sawgrass Expressway, and this guy in his van cuts me off. 
going through the toll booth. And he says, I am pissed. He said, I can't get through the toll booth fast enough to chase this guy down the Sawgrass Expressway and kick his ass. You know, I want to kick his ass. Right? And he's chasing the van down the Sawgrass Expressway. And he says, the closer I get to the van, the more it looks like your van, Pat. He says, and it, I realize I think I'm chasing my sponsee down the Sawgrass Expressway to kick his ass. You know, I never forgot that story. Never forgot that story. I have literally chased people into a meeting. Have you ever done that? Like, I'm going to my home group on Hillsborough Boulevard, and this asshole's in front of me, right? And I'm tailgating their ass, you know, like, got to move it, man. I'm a little late for the meeting. I got to get there. And they pull into the meeting. You know? Thank God I didn't give them the finger, you know? Wouldn't that be embarrassing, right? Give somebody the finger and then be up here and then be sitting in the front row, right? Like Mr. Spiritual up there, you know? Just told me to F off, like, at the last light, you know? And I'm capable. <laughs> That's the tall order, man. Practice these principles in all of our affairs. You know. Look, and I, and I, the, the miracle is, like I said, it, as, as much as there's fear involved in, in doing these talks, and uh, I would much rather do a big book study, by the way, than a step series, and let the the information speak. You know, but you know, as much fear as there's involved in this, I get to do this. You know, I get to do this. And that's been the evolution of my recovery. My recovery has gone from, you know, I have to be here, you know, because I'm trying to get my shit back. Like, I didn't want what you had. I wanted what I used to have. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of, I heard, if you want what we have, I don't want it. I want what I had, you know. I'm here to get my wife back and my kids back and my house back, you know. I have to be here. But then you realize that you need to be here. You know, I realized that when I made that connection with you guys, I realized I needed to be here. You know, and then there was some point, and I don't know where that was. It was in the first couple of years where I wanted to be here. I really wanted to be here. And now I realize that we get to be here. You know, we're chosen. We actually are chosen. You know, Ben T always says that that arch that we walk to freedom, it says freedom on this side, and we walk through it, we turn around and look, and it says chosen. It says chosen. We get to be here. We are the healers. We are the experts. As it say in Chapter 7, right? And probably some of the most important information. You can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they're very ill. Right? We know that because we have something nobody else has. A story. We have, we don't, we have a, the, the doctors, the psychiatrists, the psychologists, the clergy. They don't have a story. Unless they're one of us. We have a story. Our defects become our greatest asset. Our tragedies become our greatest asset. Our shared tragedy, our shared suffering becomes our greatest asset. Because when that psychologist was sitting with me and my wife and said, I know how you feel. No, you don't. No, you don't. Have you ever given up custody of your child and drank instead? Have you ever gone to jail knowing if you picked up a drink, you were going to go to jail? Did you ever lose a career because they told you if you showed up drunk one more time, you were fired, and you showed up drunk anyway? They don't have an answer. No, you don't. You don't have no clue how I feel. You guys do. You guys know exactly how I feel. 
you know what it feels like to not be able to live for one more effing second without some substance in your body or some person to depend on. I do. I love that paragraph and more about alcoholism. So what about the times where we just deliberately go out and get drunk? We know the consequences. We just can't stand ourselves for one more effing second. I can't stand the way I feel for one more second. You know you're going to go to jail. I don't care. That's what we'll say. That's what I said. I don't care. You know they're taking your kid. I don't care. You know she's going to divorce your ass. I don't care. Yeah, I cared. Not in that moment. I would pay any price in that moment for relief. I'll pay any price tomorrow for relief today. Any price. <laughs> I always say that. We think that one day at a time is some new thing. We've been living one day at a time our whole lives. Yeah. You know you're spending the rent money. F the rent. You know, This is about now. We're living in the now, man. Yeah. You know your wife said you need to come home. Yeah, F that. Yeah. We're fine. She'll get over it. It's about the moment. Buy the bar around. I've been living in the moment all my life. Now I get to live it in the light. That's pretty cool. That is really cool to be able to come here and share my weaknesses and us bond and, and get strength from shared weakness. That's incredible. Where else does that happen? Where else does that happen? We, we literally get to save lives. That's incredible. To me, that's, that's such a gift. And I, I mean that literally, not figuratively speaking. We, we get to save lives. People are dying who don't get to hear this message. Hey, some die anyway. That's just part of the tragedy here. But I got to give somebody a medallion Monday night who I've been working with for over 12 years. Gave him a one-year medallion. Took 12 years to get that one-year medallion, and he's in the light, man. He's in the light. I don't get to determine who makes it and who doesn't. You know, When they reach out, I reach out. You ask me to sponsor you, I say yes. Yes. I don't get to determine who makes it and who doesn't make it. And the book, look, life will take on new meaning. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to see I mean, Kenny, to see Kenny beating his sponsee with a big book over in the corner at the 101 on Wednesday night, sitting in the car with three or four guys carrying the message. That's incredible. To get to see that makes it all worthwhile. Watch people recover, see them help others, watch loneliness vanish, to see this fellowship grow. Have a host of friends. It's an experience you must not miss. I go back to one of my first meetings, and I've shared this a lot here, to this guy at the podium who talked about having a life beyond his wildest dreams. And I'm walking into AA losing everything. And ending up here, and he's saying he's in AA and he has a light beyond his wildest dreams. And I'm saying, you don't even have a girlfriend or a car. What are you talking about? Are you delusional? I know what he's talking about. I know what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about the outside anymore. He wasn't talking about being validated by the outside. He wasn't talking about being happy because he had the right car. He wasn't talking about being happy because he was in the right relationship. 
He wasn't talking about being happy because he's making good money now at the job he was at. I don't think he had any of that. He was talking about something here. He was talking about being content. He was talking about being conflict-free. He was talking about like the torment being lifted. He was talking about being in the light. Something I desperately wanted. Something I desperately wanted. And I get, I'm there. I'm, I'm, I get to be there. When I'm practicing these principles, I'm there. So real quick, 12-step call, right? This book is the 12-step call. It, that's what this book is. This book is written in the order that Bill recovered. This book is the 12-step call. Back in, in uh, working with others, some of it looks dated. Most of it's right on the money, right? Get with the new guy. Get with the new person. Swap stories, right? Swap stories. Tell them how you tried to stop and couldn't stay stopped. Tell them how once you started, you couldn't control the amount you took. That it was always a run. It always led to a run. The doctor's opinion. Tell them about the obsession of the mind, the allergy of the body. Right? And tell them how that, how you lived that. That's, all, that's where our stories have value. Get their head going up and down. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, that happened to me. Yeah, I felt just like that. Then tell them about our solution. What's it say in the chapter? It doesn't say, stay away from the God thing. Don't scare them out with the God thing. On a 12-step call, it says, stress the spiritual feature freely. Tell them how you recovered. I found a power greater than human power. I found a God of my understanding that restored me to sanity. No requirement for membership in AA. There's two requirements for a spiritual experience. Facing an insurmountable obstacle and admitting it and seeking a power greater than human power to solve the problem. Those are two requirements for the real alcoholic addict to recover. Four times they mention it. The last time is right before step three, right? Being sold on the three pertinent ideas, right? Being convinced of the three pertinent ideas. The two, first two steps, that's what the ABCs are. Steps one and two. That's a requirement. That's where I stop. I'm sponsoring somebody. That's where we stop right there. You need to be convinced of those three vital issues. Or we're not moving on. And if you're not convinced of that, you need to go try this on your own or go to some other fellowship. Try the church thing. Try, I've seen people get sober at Calvary. I've seen people get sober at church. I couldn't do it. Thank God for AA. And the other A's. <laughs> I have other issues. And then ask them, you know, are you ready? They were sponsored. Dr. Bob was taking people through the steps in a half a day. Are you ready to make a decision or not? Are you in or are you out? You're standing at a turning point. Are you in or are you out? And if you're not in or you're out, we're done. Yes, I'm powerless. I can't stay stopped. Yes, I, no human power is going to solve my problem. That's what I want to hear. No child, no relationship, no job, no judge can keep me stopped. I've proven that in my history. I have a 20-year history that said every time I pick up a drink, it's not going well. Are you ready to make a decision? 
And then it says outline the program of action. Tell them about the inventory. Tell them about the confession. Tell them about restitution. And tell them how we continue to do this to stay sober. We continue to carry the message. They did that in two visits. Two visits. Bob was doing it in half a day. They get it. They were lower bottoms. You know, I, I think the idea of a 90 and 90 when we tell people to do a 90 and 90 is to see if they belong here. You know, and I think that's the deal. I mean, if you're a real alcoholic and addict, I don't know if you have 90 days. But it may take 90 days to figure out if you belong or not. We got the doctor's opinion in four chapters to help you come to that conclusion. To conclude whether you belong or not. Whether you're one of us. And then we concluded, fifth chapter, would be convinced. So thanks again. Happy New Year to everybody. You know what? I want to hear something I read the other day. It kind of, kind of subs up. I love this. I was thinking about this with the New Year coming in. This is something uh, Sir Winston Churchill said. He said, when I look back on all the worries, I remember a, man, a story of an old man who said on his deathbed that he had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which never happened. <laughs> thanks for letting me be here tonight. <laughs> time can we please thank Pat hi my name is James and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary hi in keeping with the seven tradition which states every group should be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions the baskets are now going around we also have a virtual basket. You can link up with Mike Chase after the meeting if you'd like to contribute that way. Um, I've asked Gloria to read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what exactly that means to be a recovered alcoholic. Please welcome Gloria. Hi, I'm Gloria, and I'm an, um, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That pre presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in the mind rather than in the body. We are now seeing where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Gloria. 1940-style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistic above suggests a 75-plus percent success rate. Can we get a show of recovered alcoholics out there? Beautiful. Is there anyone that needs a sponsor? Oh, perfect. We'll link up. What'd you say? Roy. We'll link up with you after the meeting. Um, 
We have a tradition of giving out these cute mugs to our speakers who end. I wonder how many mugs you have on your shelf at home, but uh, we got a one-of-a-kind magnet you can put on your fridge now. Uh, so thank you, Pat, for always coming out. We love having you. <laughs> um, please join us Monday nights for the Big Brook Study Meeting, where the Big Brook Comes Alive fellowships at 6.30, and the Big Brook Study starts at 7.15. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red book, and big book dictionaries for sale. They're over at the piano today. Um, and we meet here every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15. We ask you to be here courteous at the sound of the bells. Um, if you have papers that need to be signed, you can see me after the meeting. Uh, you can see me. Uh, and that's it. We have tonight's session and all past speakers' podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. Um, starting next week, we have Tom M. from Prescott, Arizona. Uh, so he'll be doing 12 steps in, in 12 weeks. So uh, stop on by for that. Uh, also, I would like to again invite everybody to our Monday Night Big Book Study. And for those who wish to thank Pat, uh, please line up down the center aisle. And now we would like to close with the Lord's Prayer. So if everyone wants to stand up. Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Can't get it right It doesn't
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Green now, growing vine. 
wings. They twist and turn each way. Flowers blooming all the time outside my door. Never before. I had to change everything to realize that today is the best day of my life. Cause this broken man I traveled far and wide through the great divide through his own heart, yeah. Just about as long. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Say. 